1: That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space.
0: At homethreads.com, Head over to HomeThreads.com
1: slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for dinner I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks,
0: you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order.
2: I'm big about not obsessing. Can we all just not? Let's not obsess. Let's make this as easy on ourselves as we possibly can. I'm a big proponent of shortcuts. You know, the meal is still home cooked if someone else peeled the butternut squash.
0: Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Do you remember
1: hey, I'm Megan.
0: Together, <laughs> together, <laughs> and I'm Stacy. I thought you were going to say hi for some reason. And then when you went, hey, I don't know. It made me know. laugh today. I feel it just like that's how I
1: am on Instagram stories. I always feel like starting Instagram <gasps> yes. stories is the most o- awkward part of it. Like, I yeah. just want to jump in at the middle. I don't want to be like, hey. You do that. Hey, you, do. you guys.
0: Yeah, you do that. <laughs> that's exactly right. You go, hey, you guys. <laughs> and And Mike pointed out when I was doing a story yesterday. As we were going to see Madonna before they locked up my phone, which is why yes. I'm feeling a little crazy today. I was like, "You guys," and Mike was like, "You start every story like that." Yeah.
1: Also, it's no longer cool to say "you guys," but my one of my colleagues at Apartment Therapy, Taryn, she used this phrase in her Instagram stories, and I love it. "Ladies," instead of saying "ladies," it's like "theyes." Hey, babies! I haven't been brave enough to use it in my stories yet. But I, if you but did, I mean, I would definitely pause if I heard, saw you hop on story. I paused it when <laughs> I
0: paused her story. I was like, "Wait, what?" And I had to like type it out and look at it. It was great, though. So it, it doesn't, doesn't feel-, feel like on brand for you, not because philosophically it isn't completely on brand, because no. philosophically it is, but you saying that word just doesn't feel right. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know what. You know? I feel like you should nickname us the people who love you and follow okay, you. You should someone, call us biscuits or something. Someone
1: else said that, but I just feel like already so cheesy when I'm on Instagram stories. Um, She's at
0: Megan's underscore, underscore swan, swan, and her stories are fantastically funny and helpful. I think so that's knows. what I try to be, or at least like very you honest. You try. You go on and you're like, I'm going to try to be fantastically funny right now. <laughs> well,
1: so I do. I mean, I have to say, and we should mention that you're at Stacey Billis and together we are at Didn't I Just Feed You? Yes. I try really hard to think before I post, which sounds like smart, but I feel or smart. That's not what I'm trying to say. Sounds simple. But I think a lot of people don't do it. They just like get on. They want to show you what's like exciting. And I try to think about if it's like useful or not, because a lot of times I just want to get on and like rant about something. Oh, your rants are actually my favorite. Are they like maybe Uh i should rant about how i made myself scrambled eggs this morning and then my husband ate them when i went
0: to go get a hundred (laughs) percent like that's that's the shiz i want to see okay i'll just continue like continue to do rants then i mean i think they're funny because we can all freaking relate yes we so we were
1: at a pr event recently and someone told my husband that that they listen to the podcast and that he doesn't come out very well (laughs)
0: No, yeah. Really? Wow, that is ballsy that they said that to him in yeah, front of you. I think that it was like
1: kind of a joke. The uh, the person I mean, speaking was also a dad, and oh. so it was like a little bit funny. But Brian hasn't really listened to a ton of the episodes, so I think then he was like, "Oh, really? Do I really come out badly?" <laughs> I love you. I love you, Brian. Oh, uh, okay. We should Brian's get great. He, he's really, I really do love him. I'm the luckiest. Um He's also very lucky.
0: Because his wife knows how to make one-pot meals. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Although our guest today, Beth Lipton, reminded me that it should be one-pan meals because it doesn't just have to be a pot for cooking. It or can it can a be
0: one-sheet pan meals. I know. Right? So it's kind of a stand-in for the idea of one vessel, which was the word she kept using, which is so smart. Exactly.
1: And she's basically written the whole, uh, not a book, but a course on the idea of one pan cooking. So I'm curious, Stacey, because after we were talking with Beth, I was like, wow, I'm really actually not cooking one pan meals as often as I could be. How often do you think you cook one pot or one pan meals at home? Oh, at
0: least once a week, but it's funny because I don't think that I, I kicked off the interview in a really funny way where I was like, what's the big deal? Like, why is this so important? Partly because I think that as someone who doesn't, like, that's not the factor that I try to fix. You know what I mean? Like, I can handle three things being on the stove at once or in the oven and on the stovetop. And then I'm also not the one who does the dishes. So I just don't trap for the number of vessels that I use. So it was a really great conversation because it actually reminded me. Well, I mean, besides the fact that Beth had so many like mic drop tips, honestly, Um, but it reminded me that, like, oh yeah, like I'm actually doing this, but I'm doing it for other reasons, I guess. But I'll make, I make a lot of sheet pan shawarma. I make uh like sheet pan fajitas. I make sheet pan. I do. It's like a version of chicken parm, sort of, but it's like yeah. cutlets and pesto and mozzarella. And I do on the regular. And we we shared the recipe actually already. Yes.
1: I was just gonna say yeah. my
0: my current go to is your one pot bonza recipe. Yeah. So bonza calls it rice. I think that it functions a lot more like an orzo. I think that's fair, right? Because it, it's shaped a lot like
1: orzo is, but you can actually, because I've been experimenting with it a little bit since we had Bonza as a sponsor you can cook it like rice, like you can boil it and fluff it and it functions like rice. Yeah,
0: totally. Although I cook orzo like that too sometimes. True. But we I don't do. know if that's because I'm Greek. Oh, we all do. I was like, maybe that's because I'm Greek. <laughs> I don't know. Like orzo, buttered orzo is a side, like yeah. totally. Yes. But it all starts with Mark Bittman. <laughs> so back before wow, we Wow, I was kids, not a- expecting yeah. you to go there. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, go, yeah. go go I got go a there. story. I got a story. So when Mike and I first got married, we got How to Cook Everything because we're old, and that book has been out for ages now.
1: Although they're just republishing a, a republishing their a new, a new edition. Yeah. yeah, it's very perfect exciting. time to
0: bring it up. Full circle. So Mike was like, you know, helping cook. This was before I. If people have been listening since the beginning, you know that I sh- sheepishly admit that I call it my kitchen sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Before our kitchen. Was known as my kitchen. (laughs) Mike (laughs) would take out how to cook everything, and he really got attached to Mark Bittman's one-pot orzo risotto. And when Mike makes it, and now he makes it using bonza too, because we both love, it function, it cooks just like regular orzo. It tastes like regular orzo with all the flavorings. So, but he uses it one way. Like it's always the Mark Bittman version. And I, when I make the one pot orzo, I actually don't make it that way because that's Mike's one dish. It's like Mm. he owns that, but I started riffing off of it. And especially once I, we got hooked on the bonza rice, because my one you know, when I'm in charge of dinner, Mike doesn't care. He's like, here's our orzo risotto. I was like, yeah, but there's no protein in this. And like, there's no veggies in this except chopped canned tomatoes. And that doesn't really count for me. So I started riffing off of it using the bonza rice because that automatically hits the protein mark. And then I started putting all different kinds of veggies. Then I sometimes add sausage Not for the extra protein, because the bonza takes care of that, but because sometimes when you feed something vegetarian to Isaac, he just looks at the plate and he goes, where's the meat? (laughs) That's why.
1: But also this is one of the things that I took away from cooking that recipe is the sausage adds a ton of flavor without you like dipping into your spice cabinet. Because if you buy really great sausage, it already has all that flavor in it. And because you cook the sausage first, it flavors everything else. It flavors the veggies, it flavors the broth, and then eventually the rice cooked as orzo. And the other thing I love about using the bonza as a risotto is that because it's like naturally has this, the starch from the chickpeas in it, it makes a super creamy risotto without adding any cream or butter. Although you can still add those things and your recipe calls for like a handful of cheese, but sort of towards the end. Yeah. And by then it's so creamy anyways that you don't need a ton of cheese. The cheese is just like bonus cheese.
0: Bonus cheese. I mean, the, the way, the phrases you come up with around cheese are like my favorite thing. Cheese was, me, bonus, bonus cheese. cheese. I yeah. want bonus cheese in every meal. <laughs>
1: um, there's a really great thing that, that Beth talks about in the interview, and we'll introduce her in just a second. You can listen. About making one pan meals healthier or how they are inherently more healthful. Yeah. And- the whole time, all I could think about was like, she's so right because on the days where I don't feel stressed about cooking, I'm less likely to just be like, oh, f- it, put more cheese yes.
0: in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, right? Like that was kind of a tough question. And like, I, I knew there was something in it, but I wasn't sure where I was going. And she took it in a totally different direction. And it's genius and true. Yes.
1: Um. So we should introduce Beth without
0: further ado. Beth Lipton is a Brooklyn-based recipe developer, freelance food and wellness writer, and a cookbook author. She's a graduate of the Natural Gourmet Institute Health Supportive Culinary School. Ooh, that's so fancy. And she studied health coaching at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Her recipes and writing have appeared in Clean Eating Magazine, Health Magazine, Paleo Magazine, FoodNetwork.com. Travel and Leisure, Epicurious, Furthermore, Clean Plates, and even more. And we're also going to be linking in the show notes to her Instagram, which you should definitely follow. She's a great, fun follow. Her site and her new course that we're so excited to share with you guys, it's called Easy No Mess One Pan Meals. And she gives us a code. So we want you to listen all the way to the end of the episode to get that code to save 30% off when you register for the class. So Beth, here's the thing that I really want to know, actually, Mm -hmm. what's the big deal with one pot meals? (laughs) One pot meals, like (laughs) what, like, is this important for us to know because it helps with cleanup or is it about like how you build flavor quickly and easily? Like, I know people really like it and all three of us have been in the industry long enough to know what some like buzzwords or search engine optimization, like phrases work. Like, I get that, but like, why,
2: why, why is everybody so into it? Well, I think, I mean, it's partially the lack of desire at the end of a long day to do a lot of dishes. And we all, you know, we all feel that certainly. Um, But I think it's also, you know, when you're cooking a meal even if you only have a couple of different components going on and you have like two things happening on the stove or something happening in the stove and something happening in the oven, you know, for you and for me and for people who do this for a living, it doesn't seem like all that much. But for someone who's coming into the kitchen at the end of the day, after having 10,000 things taking their attention all day, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to put your attention on more than one thing at a time. So what I love about the ease of one pot meals is just that it's one thing and you can use those that one vessel, whether it's a sheet pan or a Dutch oven or whatever your one pot or pan is, you can use it strategically so that it's you're not just eating something that's like one texture and one flavor. And we can talk about ways to do that. But I think it's just the the simplicity of cooking the meal itself and then definitely the simplicity of the cleanup.
0: Well, what I really love about what you're saying is that I always figured something along those lines for a beginner cook but actually as you're describing it it reminds me of something that Megan and I talk a lot about which is mental load mm-hmm. and even if you are a you know well versed cook and you know your way around the kitchen and can manage you know three things happening at once You're right. Like at the end of the day, just not having multiple threads to keep track of, because probably the kids are also doing homework and you're probably also trying to like feed the new dog or, (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, there's like, there's a mental load that comes with dinner and we've talked about it in terms of planning and prepping and shopping, but there's also just the mental load of like in that moment, Like, here I am in the kitchen. I've got 30 minutes. Everybody's waiting for dinner and hungry. Like, let me just do this one thing.
2: So that when you sit down at the table, you're not, I mean, you're going to be harried anyway because it's the end of the day and you've had to do the, you know, 48 million things that we all do in a day. But if we can take some of that complication out of the cooking process, when you sit down, maybe you'll be able to take a little bit more of a deep breath before you share that meal.
0: Yeah, like deep breath. Oh my gosh. Did you hear both Megan and I went? <laughs> We're like,
1: yes, ah. so we want that. We all want that. That's like the holy grail of home yeah. cooking,
2: isn't yeah. it? And my whole mission in life is making healthy cooking f- like fun and easy and delicious. So, which I know is your whole thing too. So, I just feel like part of that that the part that we don't talk about that much is the stress we talk about you know we talk about cooking healthy cooking on a budget which is certainly an important thing we talk about you know ease of shopping and not having to search around for ingredients and making food that your whole family will eat and all those are super important things but there's also the stress factor around cooking a meal and if there are ways to alleviate that like using one cooking vessel then I'm all for it absolutely
1: I want to touch on this idea of one vessel because I think a lot of people think one pot meal means it's like that that sort of ubiquitous one pot pasta. But there are a lot of other pots and pans that you can use. And you sort of touched on this already, but could you expand on it? What are the couple of vessels that you use the most often for a one pan
2: meal? That's a great question. So I created this course with Clean Eating Magazine called Easy No Mess One Pan Meals. And in it, we talk about three different vessels. So one is the sheet pan, one is the skillet, and one is the Dutch oven. Um, And I feel like that's a nice way to think about it, because those are sort of typical pieces of equipment that everybody has. There isn't, not to like not the Instant Pot or anything like that, but there's like, there's no sort of learning curve around those three vessels. And we do go into like tips for how to use them and how to clean them and stuff like that, and how to choose them if you don't happen to already have them but I feel like those three are the ones, if you have those three and you know some like good tips about how to get the most out of those three, then you're already on your way to like a huge abundance of one pan meals. Do you have a favorite of those three? Oh my gosh, that's like picking a favorite child. <laughs> um. You're allowed
0: to do that. Yeah, <laughs> <I do>. yeah, <laughs> we have actually asked someone that I think at one point.
2: <laughs> I, I only have one child, so she is my favorite. Oh,
1: easy on you,
2: yes, yes. Um. I can't say that I do have a favorite. I know that's such a lame answer. But I like each one for different reasons. Um, And I, I know, again, that sounds so lame. But, you know, I love making certain things on the sheet pan. And I can't imagine not being able to do that. I don't know. I, I feel like they all serve such different purposes. And they all can, you know, yield you such interesting dishes.
0: So talk to us. Talk to us about each one and what you think Yeah, specifically
1: the sheet pan, I think, is the most interesting and underutilized, even in my kitchen.
2: Yeah, well, the sheet pan – so I love my sheet pans. Um, And if you saw them and you saw how abused they were, (laughs) you would know how loved they are. (laughs) I think the thing about a sheet pan is that it seems like, well, it's one sheet pan, it's one surface. So it's just a question of, like, throwing stuff on it and throwing it into the oven. And that – you can do that, certainly – But you can also, if you time it a certain way, time your ingredients going on the sheet pan a certain way, you can have a variety of textures and flavors going on. So it becomes this like really almost like a secret weapon. So, And you can also do things like put foil or parchment packets on it. So you have like one thing cooking on one side of your sheet pan and on the other side of your sheet pan, you're steaming something. Um, So I think you can just get really creative with your sheet pan. And one thing I love to do, like one of my favorite tips about the sheet pan, is while you're preheating your oven, throw the sheet pan in with it so that it gets nice and hot. And then it saves time and you get a nice sear on whatever you're cooking because the pan is hot when you throw the food on. You get that very satisfying sizzling sound. And you can broil, you can bake, you can roast, you can, uh, there's just so much you can do with it. It's, you know, it's like the gift that keeps on giving.
0: I also love this idea of using foil to create separate compartments, if you will, on your Mm -hmm. sheet pan. I do that a lot. And I feel like it's the frustrated, sculptor in me or something, <laughs> but it's really fun. I'll like, I'll put like, I'll cover it and put walls up and then veggies go in that part. And cause you can also kind of separate flavors there. Cause one yeah. of the things that frustrates me with sheep pan meals sometimes is that you just have like one note of flavor right? unless you're going to finish it afterwards. You know, you're right. tossing everything, the veggies and the meat and the, the, with salt, pepper, lemon juice, oil, you know, and whatever spice blend. And then it's like, everything has the same flavor. But if you compartmentalize, you can do variations and then blend flavors when you toss everything together at the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. And another way to do that is to keep your vegetables, you know, this only works with um, less dense vegetables like peppers and onions, but keep the vegetables off the sheet pan, cook your protein. And then while it's resting, throw your vegetables on that have been flavored a different way and throw them under the broiler. And then that only takes a few minutes while your protein is resting. So again, everything's finished at the same time. You've used one pan, but you've utilized it in kind of an elegant, interesting way so that you get this variety of textures and flavors.
0: I'm so happy you brought up the broiler because I feel like people will either put their sheet pan in the oven for roasting or in the broiler for broiling. And, um, I, when I was working on my cookbook that's going to be coming out in spring, I did a couple of recipes where like a sheet pan chicken shawarma, mm. where I love when I go to the Middle Eastern joint, you know, in Brooklyn, that it has crispy edges from being, on, um, you know, the rotisserie for a mm-hmm. long time, for example. Yeah. So, you know, taking out the meat, then cutting it up draining the juices into a bowl,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: putting the meat back under the broiler for a few minutes, and then you get crispy edges and then you can pour some of the juices over it. So you get that crispiness but without drying the meat out and kind of using them in tandem with each other
2: stacy what time is dinner i will <laughs> be right over
1: let's do it that sounds so you good <laughs> i am over here just like wow i i am really underutilizing my <laughs> oven and, and my sheep
2: i didn't even think of the packets for steaming mm-hmm. I, wow and if people, some people are sort of not happy with using foil packets, if that's you, you can just line the foil packet with some parchment so your food isn't touching it directly, but you still get the advantages of having the foil. And then you can reuse the foil or recycle it. Yes, it's
0: clean. Yep.
1: Okay, so sheep pan, We're way, way Mm underutilizing, and there's so many brilliant ideas there. What about the Dutch oven? Do you feel like you're only using the Dutch oven on the stovetop, or can you talk
2: about braising in it and how brilliant a Dutch oven is for one pot cooking? Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you're only using your Dutch oven on the stove, please call me. Let's talk. (laughs)
1: or sign up for your course or sign up for my course yes we can
2: talk there too um but (laughs) but yeah I absolutely love using my dutch oven in the oven because if you want to um if you're doing something like braising or you just want like that even you know I don't know if your stove is like mine like I have a gas stove and I love it But sometimes I have to really sort of fiddle with the temperature to make sure that the food inside stays the temperature I want, that it's not boiling if I want it to simmer, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. When you throw it in the oven, you don't have to worry about that. It just stays the same temperature. So it's so nice to have that, you know, that little piece of worry sort of taken off your proverbial plate. I love that. That's so smart.
0: I actually, the way Megan was saying she underutilizes her sheet pans, I really never put my Dutch oven in the oven, which that's so silly. Why wouldn't I? Because you're exactly right. I mean, it just maintains the heat, and a really good Dutch oven made from quality materials will also help that as well. Like, what's your favorite kind of Dutch oven? Are they like a cast iron enamel? Yeah, with enamel.
2: I like, I like a ca- an, an enameled cast iron um, Dutch oven, and I also I have an oval one, ah. and I really like the oval one. I tested. So funny. I tested Dutch ovens. a product test not too long ago for a magazine and they had me test all round ones and i was like you know i'm kind of reminded why i like my oval one because that extra bit of surface area on the bottom gives you a little more freedom so you don't have to worry about whether or not your roast is going to fit you can fit a couple of turkey legs in there like it's just it just makes things a little easier. It takes up a tiny bit more space and, you know, I live in New York City and I have a post stamp kitchen, but that's one of the things I feel like is worth taking up the space. The other thing about the Dutch oven that I don't know if people utilize very often is that just as it holds heat really well, it also holds cold really well. So, if you make your, you know, your pasta salad or whatever for a picnic or a cookout in your Dutch oven and keep it in the fridge overnight, with the lid on it, and then use that to serve it, it will keep the dish cooler longer.
0: I did not know that. Yeah, That's amazing. I want to go back to, for one second, about the enamel lining versus Mm -hmm. just a regular cast iron Dutch oven Mm -hmm. and what, why, like, I like the enamel lining because I feel like it's easier to cook, but I mean, clean rather, but I know that devotees of regular plain cast iron also feel like it's once it's seasoned, it's really easy to clean. So what's the difference and why do you prefer enameled?
2: I love a cast iron skillet, but that to me serves a different purpose than what my Dutch oven is doing. Um, So I feel like they both have roles to play. I think most frequently you're going to find Dutch ovens are enameled. They're not usually just plain cast iron. That's usually skillets. Got it. Okay. So what's our third vessel? So the third is the skillet, and you can do cast iron if that's the one you love. You can also do a regular. Um, what I my favorite is a heavy bottomed aluminum skillet. So I don't recommend having a large. I mean, you can have a large um, nonstick skillet certainly, but I don't recommend using that as your everyday skillet. Um, I really prefer a one without the nonstick coating. I keep a nonstick around for scrambled eggs and things like that, and it's certainly useful, but for your everyday cooking where you want to be able to use the skillet for a number of different applications, I find a heavy bottom aluminum skillet uh, more flexible.
0: And what are your favorite things to cook in a skillet in terms of one pan meals?
2: I love a stir fry. And, you know, when I say stir-fry, I think those sort of Asian flavors kind of come to mind. But I think of stir fry as really everything. I mean, I certainly love the Asian flavors, but you can you can do anything with a stir-fry. I mean, I, when I think of stir-fry, I think of like You know, less dense vegetables cut kind of on the smaller side and cooked quickly over high heat, um, you know, in smaller pieces of protein as well. So, you know, it's nice because you can do it all in one skillet if you have a big one or you can do it in batches if you prefer. Um, You can vary up the flavors however you want. You can throw whatever you want in there. So if you only have, not that this ever happens to me, but if you only have like three snow peas and, you know, half of a pepper (laughs) and some stray onion slices, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you yeah, that's what yes. you, have, you can throw it all in there um, and w- use whatever flavor profile you want to use. And in 10 minutes, you have, you know, a great hearty, vegetable rich dinner.
1: We didn't ask you and we would be remiss if we didn't what your favorite thing to cook in the
2: Dutch oven is. So this is not like an everyday meal sort of thing. But my so. For Thanksgiving, I always host Thanksgiving. It's right around my birthday, and I don't like to be the center of attention. So I like to host Thanksgiving because then I feel like we can celebrate my birthday, but it's not about me. So what I really love to do at Thanksgiving is cut up the turkey so that I don't cook it whole. (gasps) So, I know it's shocking. Um, so-
1: <laughs> no, it's brilliant. We're, so, I'm just over here like, wow, yes, wow. Because it never, all the things. you
2: know, when you cook it whole, it's not like any of us are doing the Norman Rockwell painting where you present yes, the whole turkey. Right. You take the mm-hmm. turkey out, you let it rest, then you cut it up before you bring it to the table. So this way, it doesn't hijack your oven because you're only using your oven for an hour and a half. Um, and everything cooks the way it's meant to for the amount of time that it's meant to. So I roast the breast and wings and I braise the legs.
0: Oh my God, I'm sitting
2: here slack-jawed. Uh, this is brilliant. <laughs> I'm doing this this, <laughs> this Thanksgiving. It will change your life. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, it will change your life. I mean, it sounds hyperbolic, but every year I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Oh, my it's, gosh.
1: It's giving me weird flashbacks to a cookbook that I worked on with Alton Brown, where we bought the biggest Lodge cast iron Dutch oven that you could get so we could cook a whole turkey in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It takes much longer than an hour and a half. Anyways, I yeah. don't want to go too far down that. <laughs>
2: But breaking it into pieces sounds brilliant. It's great. It works beautifully. And one year we had the butcher take the breast off the bone and we pounded it down and we made stuffing and we did like a whole roulade and that was super fancy. But you really don't even have to do that. You can just cook it on the bone Cook the breast on the bone in your roasting pan, but you braise the legs. And aside from the fact that your turkey will taste incredible and it's so easy, your house will smell so good that you will want to oh like gosh. lick the air.
0: <laughs> oh my and it's,
2: gosh. It's I'm the so braise. It's the braise that smells about so good. This. I have a cousin who gave me my Dutch oven when I got married almost 13 years ago. And I honestly I think of them, my two cousins, every time I use it. Cause it's uh, that that Thanksgiving braise of the legs in that, you know, delicious mixture is just, it's like, it makes my year.
0: Okay. I'm going to take a breath because it's hard not to just end the episode right there, but I do have two other questions. Okay textures. Mm -hmm. You mentioned this earlier. We touched on it a little bit with the sheet pan, but do you have any like overall tips or does it go by vessel? Like how can you ensure that you don't get just like one big mushy texture when you're making a one pan meal?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I'm somebody who gets really bored with, you know, things that are one flavor or one texture. So that's to me is like a very important thing. Um, so yeah, with I, I, similar to the sheet pan, I would say the the secret is timing and not cooking everything all at once. So with a Dutch oven, you want to be careful with um, not cranking up the heat too high, too fast. So you can cook something a little bit lighter in it first and then take it out and then your pan is already hot and then you can crank the heat a little bit higher and, um, and cook something in there that you want to be have more of a crisp um, texture for the skillet it's really the same thing i mean i would say cook something there you can crank the heat if you're using an aluminum pan so crank the heat sear something you know cook something cook your vegetables whatever it is that you want crisp cook it that way first take it out of the pan, and then, you know, you've got that lovely fond, that lovely, those brown bits on the bottom of your pan. Yeah. deglaze with something, you know, broth or wine or whatever, you know, flows your boat. Um, And then you can add something else that you want to be softer. um, And then you serve, um, you know, you serve those two things together. But I think that's that the secret is just, if you don't cook them all together, they won't be one note that's so smart because i do think that people think oh one pot meal
0: especially people who are conditioned to the instant pot Mm -hmm. which i know there are some recipes that you know step out certain things with the Mm -hmm. instant pot with the saute function and then But this idea of, like, dump and cook meals, Mm -hmm. you know, they have a time and a place. Mm -hmm. I find that they're better for, like, you know, just meat that you're then going to, like, tuck into a tortilla with fresh veggies or something. But if you're making a one-pot meal, like, you're using one vessel, but you're phasing it out or separating things out so that you really get dynamics on your plate, basically.
2: Yeah, and I think also just knowing... Knowing your ingredients a little bit, I don't think you'd have to be any kind of an expert, but like th- we make this recipe in the course that is one of my favorites. It's a, like a sheet pan fajita meal and it's, it's steak fajitas. And so it calls for, you know, a ropier steak, you know, like a hanger steak. Mm-hmm. And you don't want, you don't want to cook and you cook it on the broiler in the broiler. So you don't want to, you don't want to cut that up before you broil it because it's going to be shoe leather. So you mm-hmm. leave that whole. Um, and then you, and it's just like I was saying. First, so you leave that steak whole. You broil it, and then you take it out and let it rest. And while it's resting, you cook your vegetables on the same sheet pan. Meanwhile, you know the heat from the broiler is coming from up above, but the whole oven is hot. So you wrap your tortillas in a, in some foil and you throw them in the oven, and they warm up while your vegetables are broiling. So that you know, and then you get that nice sear on the steak from the hot pan and from the broiler. You get this. The vegetables are really tender. Um, and you know, it all just kind of works, but it's all been one pan. Okay. I have a final question. Okay. (laughs) So one of the
0: things that I love is that I even having eaten your food personally, you are a master at keeping it healthy and still super flavorful. Like, you. you know, there's your recipes, your food. You don't feel like there's anything missing. But it's, you know, you always have a mind towards healthier recipes and helping people move the needle. Do you feel like there's something about something essential about one pan cooking that can help people who may not have that instinct that actually helps keep them healthier without them even realizing it?
2: Hmm, that's a really interesting question. Um, it's a tough one. I well, do. Because think... I'm
0: thinking about how people like add sauces or add, you know what I mean? There's something about being constrained that I'm wondering if it actually can help people just be healthier without it being this, you know, like you're like, oh, protein and vegetable and, you know, one other thing. And I put it together this way in one vessel.
2: Well, I do think the simplicity of it is helpful in terms of, you know, it's one less thing to worry about. Um, And I think a lot of times with healthy cooking, a lot of the issue that people have is the intimidation factor. It seems complicated. It seems difficult. Um, So one pan kind of takes that out of it because one pan meals are all one pan meals, whether they're healthy or not. Um, and also, as I was saying earlier about stress, the stress of making a meal, I really believe that how stressed you are about the whole cooking process affects your health. So no matter what you're putting in that one one pan or one pot, if you are calmer, then the meal is healthier for you and for everyone. And then uh, other than that, I mean, I think just taking the complication factor out of it, a lot, like frees up some of that headspace to put thought into what can i do to make this meal healthier and it doesn't have to be like you know i'm going to make all broccoli all the time that doesn't ha- you don't have to do that in order to make your meal healthier you can say you know what tonight i'm going to have an extra half cup of vegetables on everyone's plate and a little bit less meat, spaghetti or whatever i'm not anti spaghetti but i'm just saying that like you can you but you have like you have a yeah. little bit of extra space in your mind to kind of think about how to make your meal healthier? It just frees you up a little bit to um, to consider what you're doing. Um, I also I think one thing that people do a lot when they're examining their habits around healthy cooking, they think that what they need to do is take the fat out of their cooking. And I am highly pro fat, you know, healthy fat. But I really think that um, you know, with one pan meal, like you want to make sure that there's enough fat to keep the cooking going. And if you're certainly if you're cooking things separately, that each component has fat and each component is, has been seasoned. So, um, and I think adding more healthy fat to your meals actually will make them healthier too, because it means more nutrient absorption. You know, a lot of nutrients are fat soluble. So you get more from the meals that you're eating that way. It makes them more satisfying, um, and fat fuels brain health and uh, and so many other functions of the body. So I think, you know, that's another way, you know, you need to use fat when you're cooking one pan meals. So I think that's another way it can help make your meals healthier.
0: That's so smart. And I love this idea of like freeing yourself and how that is such a essential part of how we need to think about healthier cooking, not just
2: obsessing over what's on the plate. I'm big about not obsessing. Can we all yeah. just not? Let's not obsess. Let's make this <laughs> as easy on ourselves as we possibly can. I'm a big proponent of shortcuts. You know, the meal is still home cooked if someone else peeled the butternut squash. So Here here. So yeah, so like whatever yeah. shortcuts you can find that are going to make the meal planning and and cooking process easier for you, Oh my God, do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay,
1: so now everyone's going to want all of your recipes and all of your
2: (laughs) brilliance. So
1: tell us real quick, Beth, where we can find the easy, no mess 1 p.m. meals.
2: So um, I will give you the URL to it's AIM Healthy, A I M Healthy U, letter U, um, and the course is there, but I'll give you a URL that goes directly to the course. Um, It's Easy No Mess One Pan Meals with Clean Eating Magazine. And if you use the code BETHSAVES, you get 30% off.
1: Wow, thank you. We'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes and the coupon code there for anyone who wants to use it. Um, I'm also curious if you can share the article that you wrote about Dutch ovens, because I feel like that would be really helpful to our listeners too. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's on foodnetwork.com. I'll send you the link to that as well. Great, and we'll put those in the show notes. Beth, like seriously, I'm blown away. It was so great to have
2: you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, Stacy.
1: I can't... I you guys. Really, hey, you guys. You, hey, you... Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> hi, friends. Hey, little biscuits. Uh- <laughs> oh, we're having too much fun on this recording today. Um, I wish that we were recording video of our interviews, and eventually we may do that, but, like, this is one of those episodes where I was just... The interviews where I was just like, oh, my God, there's so many brilliant ideas here. This is... If you're going to listen to one Didn't I Just Feed You interview, it might need to be this. Yeah. Um, talking about, like, making compartments on your sheet pan and also, like, resting your meat and then using the same pan for the broiler so you can get different textures. How about preheating the sheet pan? Pre-heating like, we do that for pan. the pizza wheel, but, mm-hmm. like, of course. Mm-hmm. So smart. And then, Stacy, I know what your favorite part was. Oh, my
0: gosh. I can't even. I'm so completely going to cook my turkey away from now on. I mean, the woman went to culinary school twice, okay? So she just, (laughs) she wins, okay. Point made, Beth. I mean, besides being a lovely person, she's brilliant. And that is a mic drop for me. Because I'm sorry, you and I have cooked turkeys a thousand and one ways.
1: I can't even, like, I don't even like turkey anymore, (laughs) but I might cook her turkey. For real, I have cooked at least a thousand turkeys in my life.
0: I, yeah. And I have to say, because I've also now, because of the cookbook, cooked a thousand roast chickens. Yes. And there are like, the thing is, any of the techniques can yield something good. I really like, one isn't really better than the other. I mean, yeah. there's some like, there are some like wah wah. Um, methods, but it's really just about like getting your timing, right. Making sure your meat is quality. And like, you know, for the most part, but like for the average home cook, it's not like cooking your Turkey, some new like roasting method, like starting high with your temperature and going low, like probably isn't going to make that big a difference. If you ask me, I don't know.
1: I just think this sounds smart. I feel like now we need a a paradigm because I am finding myself with so many things to say about turkey. But you're right. There are a lot of ways to roast a whole turkey that yield pretty much the same results. But to do something completely different where you're taking the breast and you're cooking it separately on one pan, but then you're braising in your Dutch oven the legs. And then I'm also thinking about the gorgeous turkey broth that's coming off those legs that you can turn into gravy that will just absolutely blow your mind to taste good.
0: Yeah, and let's be honest, like braised turkey is yummier than roasted turkey, if you ask me. It's why people like to do
1: those those oven bag turkeys, because that's essentially what it is. Yes. It's it's braised in the
0: bag, and it is really good. It is really good, but doing just the legs and then roasting the breast, you have a little more control. You can give the traditionalists what they want with that roasted turkey breast. You're right. You're going to get a delicious gravy, and then you have like delicious falling off the Bone dark meat. I'm just, I mean, whatever. <laughs> That's not what this episode's about. So I we know, should wrap it up. But that was my favorite.
1: <laughs> it was so good. Okay. Well, before I'm going to pull a Stacy and say, before we wrap oh. up this episode, oh my gosh. I feel like we need to hear what your top three <gasps> one pot meals are. And I'll I share. I kind to mention them. Didn't okay. I?
0: I feel like she The Orzo Risotto. The Orzo Risotto and our latest favorite is the one that we posted for Bonza. It's got kind of, um, it's a slight departure from those Italian flavors, you know, where you get like, you know, you can get a chorizo, you can get an andouille, yeah. and then using... um green chilies also. Um, it's just like a different flavor profile, even though you have that like pasta satisfaction with that bonsa yeah. rice. So that's on the top of my list right now. I make sheet pan chicken shawarma a lot, and I'm always kind of messing with my marinade and or spice rub, but always using skinless, boneless chicken thighs and then um, hearty chunks of red onion is like key. Sometimes I throw uh, cherry tomatoes on the pan as well. Sometimes I don't. And then like I was saying with Beth, I do that trick where, you know, I take everything out, I drain the liquid. So I have that to help keep the meat dry. I'll sometimes it depends on what state the vegetables are in, but then I put it under the broiler. Cause I like my shawarma to have some like char mark spots. You know, I love that crispiness. Yes. Yes. So good. Um, And then what else is another one-pot meal? I mean, do curries count? (laughs) Because I was saying in the fall episode.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think there are a lot of things that count as one-pot meals. And we sort of like forget that they're
0: one-pot meals. Yeah. I mean, like shallot, garlic, toasted up. A little curry paste. And in that fall, what we're cooking for fall episode, the show notes has the link to my favorite curry paste and then whatever like veggies I have on hand. It's a little bit like Beth's stir fry, but instead of keeping it dry, I'll add, you know, coconut milk to it. Yes. How about you?
1: Okay. This is sort of in line with your shawarma. I have recently been cooking a lot the Lazy Geniuses recipe for Change Your Life Chicken, which we should talk about. That's just a brilliant recipe name. But essentially, it's like chicken thighs, skin on, bone in, and whatever vegetables you have in the house. And then it's roasted on a sheet pan. And I do like to take it one step further and like preheat the sheet pan like Beth was talking about. And put the chicken thighs skin side down for the mm. first like 12, 15 minutes of roasting and then flip them over. The, the skin gets so, so crispy on the chicken thighs, which at some point when your chicken book comes out, we're going to have to talk about chicken. my love of chicken thighs. Like I yeah. just think
0: they rule above every other cut of chicken. And that's how I cook them in the pan too. I pan roast where you get your pan really hot. And this can actually be a one pan approach. And then you put them skin side down and you literally leave them for 12 minutes. Like do not touch. Trust the process. (laughs) You just want (laughs) to press down on them so they're as flat as possible then flip you're going to have beautiful crispy skin and then literally flip them and cook another 12 minutes you don't have to add more oil to the pan cuz a lot of the fat has rendered from the yes, skin yes right so all in you're cooking it uh, approximately like 30 minutes all you've done is flipped it and that's it and then to make that a 1 pm meal you can take the meat out right deglaze just like just like Beth was saying deglaze add some like veggies that you know fry up fast and I know I love back. that she
1: was like you know the like two keys in the bottom of your crisper yeah. and we're like yes I know that moment very well happens once a week in my house <laughs> uh- <laughs> Um, another thing that we love, and this is a skillet meal, is we call it a cowboy skillet. And it varies when we, like I've made it a hundred different ways, but essentially it's like ground beef or or sausage or whatever ground meat is in the house. Um, canned tomatoes, veggies, canned beans, and it's sort of like saucy. And then we'll make a box of Jiffy cornbread. Yes, as the resident baker, I'm admitting to buying the Jiffy cornbread because it is very nostalgic for me. And so you make that up and put it on top. So you you start it on the stovetop and then you finish it in the oven so that the cornbread bakes. And it's sort of like pot pie, but with a cornbread topping and it's sort of nice. like chili meets cornbread.
2: We're Yummy. doing that a lot
1: right now. And then I always default to that one pot pasta.
0: I was just going to say, I cannot believe that hasn't come up. Well, we talked about it a little bit with Beth where I was like, you know, that's sort of
1: like the ubiquitous dish that people think of when they think of one pot cooking. And it was really made famous, I feel like, by Martha Stewart's yeah. team. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really like there's a million recipes for it. You can use almost any shape and any kind of pasta. The bonza chickpea pasta works really well for it too. And basically, instead of boiling a pot of water, you're just making sure that You're cooking a pasta in like a skillet or a Dutch oven with enough water to cover it and then letting the, uh, or broth. We make it very often with broth or sauce. Um, And then the pasta soaks up the cooking liquid and you don't have to like boil water and then saute your veggies separately. You can build it all in one pan. We should link to some one pot pasta recipes in the show notes. I
0: think that would be really helpful. Have you used that using the bonza cut pasta? Because my kids are super into the various shapes and sizes. They have so many now. Wait, can I tell you a funny aside? Yeah. I'm sorry. I have to tell you this.
1: I, You know, my kids are like really into the bonza alphabets. Yes. And I just like assumed, we've we've shared about this on Instagram. I just assumed that it was like the alphabet. We had the bonza pasta last night for dinner. It's not all the letters of the alphabet, Stacey. It's only (laughs) B-A-N-Z-A. I was like, let's spell your name. And I was like, you can't. It's only bonza letters. I was like, no, it's not. She knew and I had totally missed that. She must have tried to like with That's the dry noodles, hilarious. tried to spell and realize it. Stacey, I've cooked that pasta so many times and I didn't realize. That's hilarious. I That's was like, very oh right. Didn't I just feed you in pasta and take a photo for our Instagram? You <laughs> can't do it. You can't do it. It only spells Bonza. Okay. It's the Bonza alphabet. I have big feelings
0: about that. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> Mostly I feel dumb.
0: Uh <laughs>
1: So yes, I have done a couple one-pot pasta recipes
0: with their new cut pastas. I'm going to have to try that. I actually have never made one of those one-pot pastas. Really? I tried it once, like when it first became a viral thing, when like literally Martha Stewart was the only one with a recipe out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Because also I have, like we were talking about with Beth, a big enamel Dutch oven. Yeah. That's so easy to clean. And I cook, it's, I tend to clean it and then let it dry on my stovetop. Yeah. And it's almost always out because I use it so frequently. So I literally fill it with water and cook the pasta. I don't know, it just, for whatever reason... So much of what we find easy is not about something empirical. It's just about what habits we're in. It's so much
1: muscle memory. Yeah, you're just like,
0: yeah, I'm cooking pasta. I get the the dish yeah. out. I fill it. I exactly, it. it for me, fast. Yeah, it's already out. I just fill yeah. it and then I scoop out my pasta water. I drain it and literally, like, while it's still hot, I just run a soapy sponge over it because I'm like, yeah, it's not that dirty. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and while it's still hot, like if any little bits of pasta stuck to the bottom, they come right off. I put it right back on the stovetop and like I go on my way. So it's just never been a thing. And honestly, I don't love the texture, but maybe I just haven't made it enough. I made it that one time. What do I know? <laughs> What do I know? (laughs) You
1: also admittedly don't eat a ton of just regular pasta. So that might, you know, it's like that thing. Oh, man, who was I listening to talk about this recently? Oh, it's this book I'm reading by Elise Joy. That's not actually her name. Elise Crip. It's like big dreams, daily goals. And she just talks about like why spin your wheels cooking things or buying groceries or buying clothes or doing anything that's like not actually how you live your life. If you don't like salads, don't buy greens. If you don't cook pasta regularly or eat pasta regularly like your family doesn't, why try one pot pastas? Stick to your chicken on a sheet pan. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I, that's what I'm gonna do, Megan. That's what Del Sudu is all about, right? Finding your pasta. Your it one is, pot meal. It is. Yes. And
0: you know what though? I'm sorry that we keep saying bonza so much, but honestly, bonza has changed that because it's also fewer carbs. Yeah. I feel better when I eat it. It's gluten free. Made with chickpeas. So that we've been talking about the protein because we really focus on like what we care about when we're making dinner for our kids. We don't talk enough about what we want for ourselves. <laughs> but that's for me- That's a whole episode. It yeah, is yeah, a whole yeah. episode. But the fact that there are fewer carbs is a big deal to me. Yeah. So that's changing. That's also delicious. Maybe the next time we talk, Megan, I'll have made five one-pot pastas. <laughs> <laughs> We'll share
1: them on the show notes we and will. we'll get a thread going about one pot meals in our listeners group. So it's a good segue to the wrap out of the show to say, find us as didn't I just feed you on Instagram and Facebook where I might get on and say, Hey guys, um, <laughs> hey guys. you can also join our private listeners group on Facebook. We will, the secret question is what's our favorite cocktail secret question. It's not secret. The question, no, the question is question. what's our favorite cocktail. And we will take the answer of whiskey. Or a painkiller, if you
0: really need us to have a favorite cocktail. Yeah. We think whiskey counts. We do. Most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss a single episode. And if you guys enjoyed this episode and all of our other ones or any of the other ones at all... Please rate and review, and most importantly, tell your friends, spread the word. We all know that it feels so like good to get a recommendation from a fellow parent, and we just want to reach as many parents who need help in the kitchen as possible. Hear, here. <laughs>
1: Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy and Samantha Gatsik, and the team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and
0: well-fed until next week.
2: Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes. Or leave us a review.